Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. Really hope we see you there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We are delighted to be partnered back up with online therapy app Mindler. If you're struggling with your mental health and it's impacting your daily life or you just need someone to talk to, Mindler is a brilliant app that is helping to make therapy accessible. Mindler is a digital healthcare provider that offers online therapy with psychologists via video call in their app. You can choose which psychologist that you'd like to speak to and on the website and app you can filter by the psychologist's specialties and also see their photo and bio before you book. Mindler has short waiting times and once you've booked in your first video call on the app with a psychologist, you get unlimited access to a whole library of self-help programs, which can either be carried out independently or with the help of a psychologist. These programs cover a range of diagnoses, including stress, depression, anxiety, burnout and more. You can use code DELETE22 to get 50% off your first session. Oh my God, why did I post that? Ah, I don't know what to do. Should I delete that? Yeah, you should definitely delete that. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, welcome. The podcast has gone international. So international right now. I know, it's wild. Alex and I are on the same time zone, but a different time zone. We've had to, we've come, we've done the, we're doing the episode without producer Daisy, who's in England, because in England it's midnight and we thought this might be slightly above her pay grade to come and sit with us. And listen to us chat absolutely shite at the middle of the night. But I'm I'm in the Caribbean and you're in New York. I am. Uh, oh my god, you are. I was gonna say how are you? I can see you're uh, sun sun kissed. I was gonna say, I was gonna say like careful. Choose your next words carefully, Alex, because I look fucking stunning. I'm thriving. You're just lucky you can't see my little trotters because I am one of those like really lucky women well, I'm one of these really lucky people that suffers with heat rash, the sexiest of all sun-related conditions. So gross. So my feet, I just, I sometimes just lie and tell people that I've been stung by a jellyfish because it's a bit more hardcore. I was actually Googling uh, uh, heat rash and do you know what it is? Oh God, what? Am I okay? I'm going to butcher it now. I think you're okay, but it's basically when <laughs> sweat gets trapped beneath the skin. Sweaty, rashy little feet. Oh, that's... That's the Instagram glamour. That's the Caribbean holiday. That's the dream. Sexy gal on the beach with her fucking sweat feet. Are you having a lovely time though? I am. That's, I'm just going to kick this off and say that's my good. The good. The bad. And the awkward. This is our 2020 family holiday and then it, we lost it in 2020 as everybody did. And then we lost it in 2021 as everybody did. So this year it's so surreal that we're here 
and it felt like um, on on the Thursday, just after I left you, the, the last day I had to get through before we could get here, you know, we had to make sure that none of the family caught COVID and we all got to the airport and all that shit. And then on the way home from work, I'd been recording the podcast for you, my fucking car broke down. And then my brother, the next, that night, got a inconclusive COVID result. Oh at my 11 God. p.m. and our flight was at 9 a.m. the next day and the, the 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 place rang him and it wasn't like oh it's negative it was just like it's inconclusive so we had to get to the airport super early so he could take a three-hour pcr and we just had to hope and pray anyway it's fine it was just drama and i can't believe that we're actually here but i'm so happy even though i've got horrible rancid little feet <laughs> <laughs> do you know what made me like what really made me laugh is so we left each other you you obviously got in your car to go home and then like 20 minutes later or something you texted me and said I've I've had a breakdown (laughs) and my initial thing was it's like oh my god you need to chat (laughs) (laughs) so I did that on Instagram (laughs) everybody was like a mental one I was like guys no a mechanical one which obviously and naturally led to a mental one on the side of the road but (laughs) It just didn't even occur to me. I was just like, oh, God, like, what is it? Like, come on, let's talk. Let's chat it out. Absolute shambles. But, I mean, like, I am not going to complain. I'm having the time of my life. I'm so happy. Everything's so good. What's your good, please, my lady? My good? Um, Well... I mean, my good was my good was gonna be that I'm in New York because obviously that's very exciting, but actually my good was last night I went to a restaurant and had my first ever solo meal all by myself, and I, I do you know what? I've always just been like too scared to do it I guess but I didn't really have a choice last night so I was like right I'm just gonna push myself and do it and I had such a nice time I actually Aww. that's how I want to go out from now on I never want Dave with me it was great. <laughs> I um, it was so nice I took a book with me but ended up just putting my headphones in and like nobody thought I was weird the staff didn't take too like no notice of me whatsoever and it was just great so I'm now like yes eating out by yourself yes I used to get so self-conscious going anywhere on my own like I wouldn't even yeah. go to like a cafe I couldn't even even if I was just waiting for my coffee I didn't want to sit down on my own because I didn't want anyone to think that I didn't have any friends and like, I mean, well, it's so stupid, but I, li- I agree. I love it so much. Like I took myself, I took myself out for lunch when we, well, it's sometimes I take myself out for lunch and I took my book and I just feel like a fucking babe. Yeah. I'm like, look at me go. So nice. It's so, so nice. And I just think, I don't know. It's just, it, I feel like on TV and in films, it's always like made to feel like really awkward, but there is just nothing awkward about it. It was just dead no, chill. But proud of you. Thank you. So that was fun. Um, so you're a single gal in New York. Love that. I, I really, really am. And to be honest with you, I think tonight's looking like the same kind of thing. What you having? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Where you going? Like, just go back to the same place because New York is no, big and no, scary. No, 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 that, that becomes sad. Does it? You'll just become the girl. It's like, oh, she's in there every night on her own, bless her. It goes, it, yeah. it's a downhill trajectory. You go once, you're mysterious, you're cool, you're the cool girl, came in her own with a book. How novel, love that. But you, if you, it you becomes can't. a pattern, why is she okay. here? This is sad, send her away. Okay, you know? okay. I've got to go yeah. somewhere else then. You've got to but go like, somewhere else. New York is big and scary and there's stuff everywhere and there's so many restaurants. Oh, uh, it's like oh, there's a pharmacy. There's a pharmacy in New York. No way. Yeah, I ate there the night before my marathon. 
Did I mention that I ran a oh, d- oh, no, I, I hadn't heard that, actually. <laughs> so, I'm so glad you got that in yeah. there. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'll let you know how it gets, goes on. But um, what, is, what is your bad? Well, I feel that we should start with your bad, to be honest, because I'm presuming that your bad is the reason that you're having your solo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, on the plane to New York. And Dave was quiet, which isn't that unusual for Dave, but... Uh, extra quiet and he went to the toilet and didn't come back for a very long time and I was like I'm suspicious uh, yeah I'm concerned where's Dave he came back and he was literally green and it was bad and he was like oh this is not good this is not good um explosive diarrhea like god help (laughs) everyone else who had to go to the loo after him (laughs) and then it was then the panic of like when I need to go again. If there's if it's if it's engaged, if the toilet's engaged, I'm gonna like I'm just gonna have to shit myself. So it was quite stressful on the plane, and then we got off, and luckily got through security quickly. And then he went and did it again, and then I was like, let's just wait here at the at the airport, so you don't have to. You know, we can wait here and just let your stomach ease a little bit because getting in a taxi is not going to be nice right now. And he was like, no, it's now or never go 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 let's just get to the hotel so I was like if if you're sure so we got in the taxi and he was going like whiter and whiter but sweatier and sweatier and he just looked at me and went get me a bag get me a bag so I was like fuck rummaging through my bag like I forgot anything at all anything apart from my actual bag which I wasn't going to give him to sick it through sickness and in health but not in my fucking handbag you cretin (laughs) exactly um so I managed to like fish out this boots bag, you know, like a, a paper boots bag. And I, yeah. as I fished it out, I ripped it. And I was like, fuck. I ripped it and I handed it to him in the nick of time. And he literally, so sick, so, so sick. And then it was this like horrifying moment where we were both just looking at the bag, knowing we, it was, we had very, very, very limited time. And I was watching it disintegrate before our very eyes. Oh. And it was like, sorry, this is really graphic, isn't it? I was watching it disintegrate before our very eyes. And I was like, we've got seconds and I don't know what to do. And it was like slow motion, but also went very fast. And in the end, it just, it basically disintegrated all over him. So, yeah. That is fucking horrific. (laughs) What did the cab driver do? Horrific. He he didn't understand what was going on. He didn't know, but I was like... Obviously he didn't understand. Why is someone being sick in a bag on their own lap? And then just letting it dissolve all over themselves. What a fucking horrible situation. How we unusual. A, we want a motorway. And I was like, I just don't know what to do. Oh, no. Luckily, I found this tiny plastic bag. So he did the second round in that. And he got out of the... He, so he put his coat around his around his waist, around his legs, because it was bad. And holding his little bag of sick, <laughs> he got out of the taxi oh and, and uh, slipped in dog shit. So... No! Yeah. Dave, was... <laughs> this is the saddest thing I've ever. I've never spoken to you. What is it? I think it's. I think it's a virus because I was really sick beforehand, um, and yeah, I just that didn't. I just, suspicious. I didn't know what it was, and now and now he's sick. So I think it's a virus. Oh so. God! I thought it was. I was a bit scared that it was food poisoning. To be fair, because after last week and we talked about your like irrational fear of food poisoning, for which I got a lot of shit for not being very sympathetic to you, because I know it is a phobia. But yours isn't really a phobia. Yours is just like a random anxiety. No, no. Um, I'm not scared of being sick. I'm scared of. I'm scared of of having food poisoning on transport and not being so able to what, have access. 
what happened to Dave is yes. your worst nightmare. Literally my worst fucking nightmare. I felt I have never felt so sorry for anyone. It was horrific. Oh bless him. So you yeah, that's really shit. So he's come all the way to New York on his fancy little trip with his with his spontaneous wife and he's just shitting in a boots bag and sipping in dog shit. This is like thirty six hours after we got here and he hasn't left the hotel room. Oh no! I know it is really bad. I was, I, maybe we'll, I'll take him for a little walk later. <laughs> like a dog. It's, it's like a dog. <laughs> what's oh, your so, What's your bad? Well, to be honest, I was like, I'm not going to have a bad because, like, the audacity of me being like, I've got a bad when I'm literally living my best life. But I tell you what, my bad was the reaction to last week's podcast, which we would be remiss not to mention. Yes. I suspected that was going to be yours. Obviously, on Monday, um, if you listened to last week's episode, we interviewed the fabulous Nelly London about loads of things, namely trolling. And then, because irony is a bitch, um, we shared a clip from that episode of uh, Nelly walking down the street uh, from her own Instagram. That's something that we touched on in the episode. I'm sure you've seen it by now because fucking nearly a million people have seen it. Like, the reels, it's blown up. Anyway, but we shared that. But I, because of the time difference, Al was in England at the time. And if I, we post the promo for the podcast at, like, 7.30 in the morning, which would have been 2.30 for me here. So... I gave, for the first time actually, I never do this, but I gave Al the login to my Instagram and basically said, you know, like, accept, post it for me or we'll post it together. And I just wasn't awake for it, which is the first time I've ever put, had anything go on my Instagram account, obviously, that I hadn't done and then watched the reaction for. So, you know, normally you post something and you can kind of tell in the first, like, 10, to 10 minutes, like, how it's going, if it's doing well, if it's pissing people off, you know, whatever, it's a good marker. But I missed the first 10 minutes and then I missed the following, like, fucking five hours. So by the time oh I woke up, like it was insane I've, I've never seen anything like it and I literally woke up I was like it was like the first day of my holiday I was like what the fuck has happened here and it was the most ridiculous reaction to my mind ever um it was heartbreaking it was hurtful and personally, I thought it was completely fucking uncalled for. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, we've always said you can have a different opinion to us and that's the point of this podcast and whatever. But the scale to which the abuse came in and the the cruelty and that, like, that just felt like, what the... And maybe, maybe just because there was so much of it. And people talking about her like she wasn't there, like she just wasn't even a human. But... I do have to say, I do have to say this is that, and you know, a lot of people messaged me or commented saying, well, you posted this knowing it was controversial and you were going to get a, a reaction. I was like, honestly, swear down. We did, we did, we have a clue. We had no idea. We just like, thought and, and it was we're a good video. We good at judging like yeah. what's going to be contentious. And we literally had no idea because we thought, we addressed it in the podcast. You know, we talked about why we st- why we thought it was right, and we and it's just an advert at the end of the day. You know what I mean? It was just, it was a really short. I thought like quite innocuous clip. But the thing that astounded me, and I can say this because they're not here, were the people who were so fucking angry 
And then, and then I said, look, you need to listen to the podcast. And then if you, you know, we can, ha- we can talk about this, but we addressed it all in the podcast. So go and listen to that and then we can talk about it. But then people go, I'm not listening to your fucking podcast. And it was like, well, then why are you yelling at me? You're then like, go away. what is happening? But it was people being like, oh, you know, I hate, I hate this. Like, I'm so angry about all of this and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, we literally talked about all of this in the podcast. So I think to fully, you know, this is just an advert. It's like being really angry at a film you haven't seen because of the trailer, but then refusing to watch the film. And it's like, and then shouting at the director. I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? Right. But the comments on the post are a fucking shit show. But my DMs were stunning. Like, yeah. You know, for the 99.9% of my DMs were so supportive. I've had some great dialogues, conversations with other, with mums and whatever. The one thing I found the hardest was obviously neither Nelly or you or I are mums. And it was the way that we were spoken to, like, we couldn't even have an opinion because we aren't mothers. Yeah, it was beyond, like, condescending and also just harmful. Yeah, and I put up a thing being like, look, don't say this because you don't know what any... Don't say this to us, but don't say this to anybody because you don't... You can't say, oh, you'll get it when you're a mother or you you don't know because you're not a mother. And it's like, don't... Well, actually, you can say you don't know because you're not a mother, but you, what you shouldn't be saying, I don't think, is you'll know when you're a mother. You'll understand when you're a mother. Because, first of all, a lot of people don't want children and that they are still complete human beings in and of themselves. But also, a lot of people have issues with fertility and, and you have no idea what's going on. And and I put up a thing yeah. about that. Sorry, I feel this has gone like into a massive rant, but I put up a thing about that on my, on my Instagram. I said, look, just don't say this to people because you just have no idea what they're going through. And then I was getting shit from women on the back. Like, don't hide behind infertility issues. Like, take this head on. You're making issues for my children. And I was like, oh, are you okay? <laughs> are you, what's happening? <laughs> and I stand by it. It, what like I stand by supporting so much to so much so that I am like ready to go lingerie shopping and fucking get off the flight at Heathrow and and walk myself back through it in a pair of suspenders. But like that really frustrates me. That that's two completely separate issues. You're not hiding behind infertility at all. You're making a point that you can't really speak. You shouldn't be speaking to anyone like that. I think mums do a phenomenal job. I honestly I tip my cap to any person who's created a human being because. I I think it's the most phenomenal and amazing thing and I applaud you and your uterus and your boobs and and your brain and every single ounce of strength it's taken for you to do that but I don't think that having a child makes you a better person than somebody that hasn't but what really wound me up as well is people saying yeah but the there's like what's the point to it what was the point it's like what she doesn't owe you a point no one owes you a point she can do yeah. whatever she wants like just yeah. leave it how about you, you see it and scroll on by influencers make so much content that instagram is full of content some has a point some doesn't if somebody speaks right if 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 a spanish person comes up to me and makes a really good fucking point I won't know because I don't speak Spanish, which is case in point that not everybody's points are going to be relevant or understood or whatever by everybody. So if if you're looking at something and being like, oh, I don't see the point, that's that's the problem with you and your eyes or, you know, that's not Nelly's fault. She doesn't owe you the point anyway. But I do want I do want to stress that we t- we didn't like because we wouldn't have put Nelly in that position. We didn't post that video 
thinking, oh, this is great, it's going to be controversial. Genuine, yeah. Genuinely, we didn't. I think people think we're much smarter than what we are with our marketing. Don't they? Yeah. But can I just say, because I feel like a lot of that's been on the 5% of twats, 95% of people have been fucking stunning. And I've had so many messages from people saying that their mothers and they support it, that their mothers, and they've had really cool conversations with their kids on the back of it. And, you know, that they changed their own perceptions because of it, that they really enjoyed the episode. So... It's fine. All's well there as well. But that was my bad because it, not for me and not for you because we, you know, I said it actually in the podcast last week, I'm used to getting shit and I'm kind of okay with getting shit. But I, I did feel rotten for Nelly. And I know I was a bit mortified that I did. that happened like on our watch, you know. Yeah, I did. I felt, I felt disappointed. <laughs> um, Al, what's your awkward, please, your honour? It's from a couple of weeks ago, but I forgot. Um, I went to, I went to the, a cabaret with Dave that you were upset about because I didn't invite you. I'm so sorry. It was a very last minute thing. But, and you weren't there. <laughs> you were in Oxfordshire, so. It's not point it's not I the point the and i agree invitation. i am so sorry it is not the point and, I didn't and want you there, um... <laughs> that was dave did you hear that yeah dave i did and it was like a dagger to my heart <laughs> um you're right it's not the point and please never do it to me so we went to the cabaret and it was really good like loads of different acts like really enjoyed it blah 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 anyway and then woke woke up to this dm hopefully it's okay to send this a random girl but we were sitting behind you last night. We didn't want to spoil your date by saying hi, but I just, to, I just wanted to tell you that we love reading. And we loved how enthusiastically you were clapping for all the acts last night. So sweet, heart, heart. Sorry, how embarrassing is that? <laughs> it's so embarrassing. What does that mean? We, I like, I, so it's obviously enough that they've been like, oh my God, look how enthusiastically she's clapping. Mate, I've said this to you before, you do clap a lot. Like, you fucking love a clap. It's happened a few times recently. It happened at the live show when Candice finished a point and you went to go and clap and no one else clapped. And then, instead of just letting it go, you were like, guys, why aren't we clapping? And I've got that on video. And then it happened when we went out for dinner and I told the waitresses that it was your birthday and then they brought the cake over and you started clapping then. <laughs> you fucking love a clap. I honestly, I I, I understand. And you, and you really do, you're like a penguin or a seal. You're like, woohoo! <laughs> I get it. I really do. I love that for you. But yes, you're right. Very embarrassing. But very embarrassing. What is your awkward, please? Well, my awkward is also aircraft related. Now, I've told you, I've said it, I've said it once, I've said it a million times. If I die and descend the fiery steps into hell, all that will yeah. be waiting for me is a room full of people that weren't expecting me. Like, it's <laughs> nothing makes me more uncomfortable in this life to arrive somewhere that I'm not supposed to be. You know, like, I, I already feel awkward in my body. I already feel quite big, like, as a person. Like, I just feel like a presence, you know what I mean? So, like, when, when someone needs to get past me, I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Or, like, if I need to sit down and there's not space for me, I'm like, ah! Like, I just, I'll stand. Like, just don't, you know what I mean? Like, just, I just, I, I, I don't want to be there if you don't really want me there you know what I mean like and I don't want to go into a restaurant and then I get into the restaurant and there's no tables so I'm like oh my god this is my idea of hell like I need to know I need to walk into an empty room and and have an assigned seat and and it's got to say on the seat M we're so happy that you're here please sit down so that's kind of like what I need and that's my love language anyway I got on the plane and as I'd said there'd been some you know I was still in like disbelief that we were actually on this aircraft and I got to my seat, 55K and 55H, me and Alex. And I got there and there were two other people in my seat. Well, not, not both in my seat. One was in my seat, one was in Alex's seat, obviously. 
these people. Like, well, I was like, <laughs> and we were like last on because I'd needed, you know, just because we'd been, actually we'd had the debacle with my brother's COVID test. So we were like, we'd run, you know. And, and my stupid bag was full because I had to buy my antihistamines because I knew I'd get my stupid rashy feet and you know so I was like and I was already like I was already feeling so like big and flustered and I got there and there were these fucking people in my seat and I was like oh my god hello and I was like guys I'm so sorry I think I think you might be in my seat and they were like nope and they literally just looked at us and they were like nope and we were like and no oh it was so bad. Like, they would be literally... And then they just looked back down at their phone. Like, they were looking at something on one of their phones. And I was like, I think... Hi, like, I think you might be in our seats. And they were like, no. And then just went back on their phones. And we were like, oh, my God, what do we do? So then they just said back again. And I was like, I'm really sorry, but, like, can I look at your tickets? And they were like... Like, I'm going to be... Like, I don't like to say this about people, but they weren't that forthcoming with <laughs> with their manners. You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah. And then they were like, okay. And then they, they, then, and I was like, they've got to be wrong. Like, they've got to be wrong. Because mine definitely says it. And it's today's date, because that was a worry. Anyway. Yeah. And then, yeah, they showed me their ticket. And they were also in seats 55K and H. You're joking. No. no. Double booked. The, uh, last time we came out here was 2019. And we got on the flight. And there was a problem with the plane. And we had to get off the flight. Just me and Alex, my family were already out there. And we had to get off the flight. And we didn't go out for the whole day. We had to stay the night at Gatwick in the Hilton Hotel. And I literally was like, oh my God, it's happening again. It's happening again. So I was like, oh no, this is hell. And then everybody's looking. Because obviously we're British. And we've caused a commotion. Because we've asked to see somebody else's tickets. How rude. Yeah. And then I'm there with my stupid overflowing basket. With my stupid antihistamines and my sun cream. And we had to waddle back down the aisle. You know, it's just, it's because we've got our bags. I'm just waiting at the front of the flight. And then luckily, Alex is good looking and charming. And there was a lovely air, um, what are you? air steward um, called James, who was from from Dublin as well, from round the corner to Alex. And he was very nice. It gets more awkward because we were talking to James and we were like, buddy, like, hi, nice to meet you anyway. Um, but there's someone in, and then we were talking about Ireland. And he was like, don't worry, I'll get sorted. And then he was looking to see, he was like, this is, he was like, he said, he was like, normally I'd upgrade you, but this is literally a full flight. Like, there's no spare seats. And I was like, oh my God, James, don't do this to me. And, and then, and then this other person came onto the flight and was like, um, are you the people in 55K and H? And we were like, yes. And he was like, okay, come with me. And I was like, they're taking us off. And everybody's looking, everybody's looking. And I was like, are you taking us off the flight? And he's like, no, no, don't worry. We can get you an upgrade. I was like, oh my God, what a turnaround. So I'm like, Bye, fuckers. I'm oh going. God. Go up the plane. And we get up there to premium economy, front row. Yeah, yeah. Who's in our yeah. fucking seats? But the people from 55K and H. Somebody else had gone to them. The other air steward had gone to them and said, there seems to have been a mix-up. Would you like an upgrade? And no. they're taking them. And they must have feckin' ran, I tell you. Because they were then in our seats again. And when I, this, I haven't seen smugness until I saw that look. They literally turned around and were like, ding. <gasps> and so then we were like, oh my God. So then we had to turn back around and walk the walk of shame. But with the biggest smile on my face, because I was still on the flight, you know what I mean? So I was still like mostly happy, but then also dying of awkwardness back down yeah, and everyone kind of gave oh. us a sad look. Oh, like, oh, you dream so big. You dream and, so big and, and look where it is. The upgrade dangled. was dangled, dangled in front of you. That's yeah, cruel. these people, they were the bane of my flight. I was like, what? You are everywhere. Oh. 
That is really dramatic. I would not have enjoyed that at all. I just, I just hate being in an airport, in an aeroplane aisle at the best of times for any reason. I don't like going to the loo. I don't like, I don't like any of it because you know, you've, you, humans are too big for the space. And if you meet somebody coming the other way and you've got to awkwardly wait, if you're going to the loo, everybody knows that you're going to the loo. No one's got anything to do, so they might as well watch you. You know what I mean? And also, you dream about like. Getting that upgrade moment, you know, people are yeah. being like, "How we're gonna upgrade you?" Like everyone like wants that moment, don't they? Like it obviously never happens, but it happened, and then it got taken away from you. I know. Yeah, that's, that's I know. And I literally walked past my family because we were all dotted around. Like my sisters were <laughs> in front. My brother was like two weeks ago. I was like, "Bye, like, fuckers. See ya." <laughs> Oh, I was like, your girl's moving on up. And then it was like, your girl's coming straight back down the slide. <laughs> this is the point in the episode where we talk about the guests and how great the episode was. <laughs> Interview, um, not episode. Do you think we stop doing it? We just say who it is. Nah. This is no. a really great interview. You're going to absolutely love it. We're so... <laughs> It, it genuinely is, though. though yeah so we're interviewing natalie lee from um who is also known as style me sunday on instagram who is an amazing influencer that you have to follow she's brilliant and after we finished this interview nat said to us that that's the best interview that she's ever done and similar like at the same time we said that was the best that was one of the best interviews that we've ever done like it was, was so it was the special best. and it was yeah. so moving and it was just it was amazing yeah it was and I, i'm really proud of it and it's a conversation we all that I cried think, we all cried it was a mess even fucking daisy was gone like it, yeah. it was yeah it was huge i was like what is happening we're in such a small room why is everybody crying but um but it was amazing it was really empowering and i'm really excited for you to listen to it but we'll just shut up and let you listen to it yeah let you listen enjoy Hi everyone. Hello. Well, not everybody. Hello, Nat. Hi, <laughs> Nat. Hi. Well, I meant like, hi everyone listening. <laughs> We're excited to welcome my friend, Nat, Natalie Lee, um, who is also one of my favourite influencers and we'll get, in, we'll get into why. Today, I'm going to go straight into it. We want to talk about sex. <laughs> This is so good for Alex. This is putting us so far out yes. of our comfort zone. Yes, so far out of my comfort zone. So we want to talk about sex and specifically your journey from sexual shame to sexual freedom, which incidentally you have documented in your upcoming book, Feeling Myself. Yes, ma'am. Love it. <laughs> Available for pre-order now, right? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. We'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you. Um, so as someone who grew up with a lot of shame around sex and still feels some level of shame around sex. I can and see you squirming. Pleasure. I, I am gonna squirming. Yeah. I am squirming. <laughs> Honestly, if you I ever am... want to just have fun, just say words. Say masturbate. Penis. Absolutely not. Just give me a minute. Let me say get into vulva. this. Say clitoris. <laughs> no, see, anatomy I'm okay with. But sex and sexual pleasure, I still, there are, for me, there's, there's a lot of shame around it. So I'm excited to talk to you about it excited and scared um <laughs> i was very lucky to get my hands on a sneak preview of your book um and I, i'm so excited i'm really <laughs> excited i mean i out of everyone i feel need it and um, you're you're way less well, repressed way. but you did less read repressed it to me, than me reading it in the car this morning i was reading Re- it out yeah, to you excitedly like tripping over your words i think this is gonna be good for alex yeah, I think yeah, this, yeah. Whole book, this whole conversation yeah. is gonna be good tell um, me what you thought tell me yeah well, okay, so I struggled with that to start with this because there's two things, but the introduction was, I mean, we went straight in. You went straight yeah. in, didn't you? With you in a flat in London, 
like I can I can picture it was so visual like the depiction was so so visual you were lying on a white sheet and a woman put their finger inside your vagina why did you want to start with that can why did you want to open <laughs> Not the, bu- the first time why did you want to open the book with that I want to know I mean it was a great opening yeah um, we were hooked yeah great you- opening that was a good pun oh sorry can't be so sorry <laughs> I'm 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 embarrassed. I'm just going to resort to terrible oh, puns. Alex, I feel your embarrassment, and I, I, I'm, I I'm sorry for you that you feel that. But anyway, why did I start with it? Look, the opening of the book was to me is the most important thing because you want to grab the reader in, and um, as you know, I've got ADHD, and my attention needs to be grabbed like from the second I start reading, otherwise. You know, if it's not within the first 10 lines, then I'm done. Like, I can't get through the book. So it was important to me, yeah, to start with the Yoni massage um, because also it's been a significant part of my journey. Um, you know, I, I, I knew I had a lot of issues around sex and stuff and I knew that there was a numbness there. So... I spoke to someone and she said, this would be really good for you. And I was like, what have I got to lose? The Yoni massage this is, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah. So Yoni massage is, yeah, can you explain what it is? It's a whole big ceremony. Like there's so much that goes into it. Obviously the finger in the vagina bit is just a small part of it. But that part, she, it, you know, she's very, very hot on consent and she like, her hand is nowhere near you before she like starts saying, is this okay? Is this okay? And it, it's, it's very slow and gradual. Um, and you know, you're fully, fully relaxed before it, any penetration happens. Um, and then she just kind of like puts her finger in and just goes round the sides of the vaginal wall, like massaging in small circles. And, most of it, to be honest, was really numb. I didn't actually feel anything. And I actually fell asleep because I was so relaxed. It was so slow. And I couldn't really feel much. And she said that numbness is quite common, especially if there's been some, like, sexual trauma. Yeah. And and also probably because I've really struggled with disassociation and feeling in my body and you know my mind is usually elsewhere and I've struggled with feeling my feelings and that has been a real big like how am I gonna how am I gonna bring this round you know how am I gonna start feeling things and I have I, I have started to feel I have I have started to feel things, but the problem with that is you feel the good things and you also feel all the bad feelings as well. And trying to sit with that and not use like drink and drugs to like numb that, which is what I have done in the past is like, is what I'm trying to do now. Like just really sit with those uncomfortable feelings. It ain't fucking easy. No, no. (laughs) And, And you said that that moment for you, that Yoni massage was like a pivotal moment and you said that it was the first time that you'd ever felt safe in a sexual environment is that right yeah I wouldn't view it as a sexual environment is it not but 
no, it didn't feel very sexual. No. I didn't like, I, there was no orgasm and I didn't like feel sexual feelings towards her or anything like that. How interesting. If just other than just thinking about it on a note, like if, if it was an orgasm that equated to sex, like isn't it funny? Like no women would have sex. Like if you're like if if, if it would if it was an orgasm that would make it, that make something or enjoyment or whatever that would make sex sex. It's interesting that we refer to so much of our lives as sex, like a sex life when actually women don't enjoy so much of it. Do you know what I mean? Oh God, like yeah. Men wouldn't be like, oh, I had sex yeah. with her last night. It's like, well, you didn't because she didn't enjoy it. Like, or she didn't come. Yeah. So then it would be like. <laughs> I've done I've done quite a bit on this, and it's about like there's a huge pleasure gap. 100%. It's, it's even bigger than the gender pay gap. Oh my God, right? it's huge. So like 95% of straight men when they have straight sex come. That is some, I think it's 60, goes down to 60 something for a woman in that scenario. Even further down when she's not in a relationship with that person, it's like 40% of women orgasm during straight sex. If if it's two women having sex, that goes right up, almost mm, as high yeah. as a straight man. Really? Yeah. Not yeah. Every time. <laughs> every time. So um, we, I think, as women have a problem owning that pleasure and demanding that pleasure, and that's something that I've been really looking into unpacking. Why we do? Yeah, we're we're kind of just. We, we're used to serving a man in a heterosexual relationship. Where the fuck is my pleasure? I'm not just a veg- vessel for you to squirt your cum in. <laughs> that is such a There's the soundbite. Yeah. There's the soundbite. <laughs> that will be on my gravestone. <laughs> but that's like my favourite thing about your Instagram. It's like I've followed you for years and I really feel like we've been on this journey with you. It's like real empowerment when it comes to sex because... I I don't know I, I like my own my own shit just comes from being so fucking British and I'm just like ah sex like yeah. lights off awkward like and and we and and it's only been in recent years do you I don't know if you remember in like the beginning of um, January 2021 uh, when that shit all kicked off with Zoella where Zoe Sugg's website they'd recommended sex toys on it and then she I was do. dropped from the curriculum and it, and it like catapulted this huge conversation about like female pleasure and sex toys and Alex and I have talked about this on the podcast before but this really woke something up in me when I was like hang on a second like why have I never talked about orgasms pleasure why are we never taught about this and it's right like you're right we we are literally conditioned to believe that we are there to serve the man to lie there to become like a, a, a basically sex for a man finishes when he jizzes and sex for a woman finishes when she's pregnant like that's kind of how we're taught to view it and there's i just literally could sit and talk to you about this all day so please don't <laughs> yeah but buckle in <laughs> yeah it's a very very important topic and i like you had to push past the shame and push past the Britishness because I was brought, brought up in England and I went to Catholic schools. I was never taught like where the clitoris was. I was never taught about female orgasms. I never spoke to my mum about sex and I still struggle with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I did buy her a vibrator for Christmas. But did I still you? struggle with that one. What I bought my mum and my sister's vibrators Fuck for yeah. Christmas because I was like, guys, you're not you're not having good sex. Like, come on. What does she say, your mum? 
She didn't really say anything, <laughs> but she did say, I wish you had warned me because we did it in front of grandma. And, <laughs> and she was Poor like, grandma. What, what is that? Because it, you know, the vibrator I got, it wasn't dick shaped, which I don't usually use dick shaped vibrators. I think it's a bit of a myth that that's going to give you the most pleasure. Most people, you know, as you probably know, orgasm through clitoral stimulation rather than penetration there's a massive yeah. misconception there as well because again when you yeah. talk about a dildo it's some um, just like yeah huge like yeah. long piece of silicon it's like what is that going to do for anybody but... <laughs> apart from her <laughs> <laughs> exactly so yeah we and we definitely have to like demystify all of these myths and just start talking hmm. like one of my um aims is to like set up an organization stroke charity that redefines sex education and you know probably not to to children i would probably want to speak to adults who can then inform their children because i think it's really important for the conversations to be happening at home um, I don't know if school is the best environment, but still, children need to know the names of things. They need to know what's a vulva, what's a vagina, where's the clitoris, you know, and that's the biggest blocker to our pleasure. And boys need to fucking know where the clitoris is. That's why we don't orgasm very much, you know. People need to be signposted. There needs to be a big, massive arrow. Like, that's where you go. Um, so yeah, so that's one of my sort of ambitions if I get the time is to talk about sex education to adults, but not just from a white heteronormative perspective. I want it to include everyone. Everyone needs to feel seen The what we're getting at the moment is woefully fucking inadequate. Primary schools don't have to teach sex education. Can I ask, and, and we do want to get back to your journey, but I want to ask how you speak to your children about sex. Like, what for you is the best way? Just like every day. Just do you? When, when it comes up, don't shy away from it. Okay. When something comes on, on the telly, I don't cover their eyes. I don't turn off the telly. I say, this will be a really good like conversation starter. Let's chat about it. Um. I know that they're like annoyed with me and embarrassed that I keep bringing it up. And I'm like, girls, just like touch yourself. Go in your bedroom and masturbate. It's absolutely fine. I know that they get annoyed with me. But for me, the embarrassment and awkwardness I feel is important to plow on anyway. Because one day, eventually... They might be in a position where they didn't know that it was okay to say no, like I was. And I want them to feel that they have autonomy over their body, to know that they have a right to pleasure and to have the ability to be able to say no when it's not comfortable. So That's amazing. Yeah. I yeah. think like there's something so important in that and it's something that we've said about before on this podcast, but it's like... If, if with kids or with young women or with any women, if you don't teach a woman to enjoy sex, 
then you're teaching her not to enjoy it. Exactly. And I find that really distressing. Like the amount of us, even generationally, accidentally, actually not even generationally because it's happened to so many generations gone by, but it's like we've all been just sent out to have sex that we don't enjoy. And, and there are so many situations, I think, in so many women's lives that you would never wish for your kids. And and it's so avoidable. And and I think, again, so much of it comes back to like the Bible and like all this old shit of like yeah. shame, like women's pleasure is so shameful. And, you know, I get this on Instagram so much. If I ever do sex toy stuff or like talk about sex, and again, I am like an incredibly awkward human being. So I think I, I, I kick these conversations off in like quite an awkward way. But, people <laughs> but always, at least you're doing it. At least it. we're I don't trying. Give a shit if yeah. it's I'm like, so guys, <laughs> what we're saying. Um, but, but my DMs always on the back of that I think probably because I'm so awkward everyone's like oh thank god I can be awkward too um but it's so often it's like why do I feel shame why do I feel dirty like for doing it and it, and so many women do have these feelings and it's like you are taught to feel dirty like boys I mean boys fucking jizz in socks and throw the socks on the floor and no one calls them dirty you know what I mean like they're just like being boys but it's like a girl it's so fucked up the it way really that we is. are about it I, you know so many of like the words for our reproductive anatomy comes from words that are linked to shame like the uterus don't like quiz me on this now because I don't know <laughs> I don't know the actual correct um like link but I know that like the uterus is linked to hysteria and that's why we have a hysterectomy it's all linked to shame and there was there's a, a complete lack of knowledge about and research into female you know pleasure female mm. um reproduction and anatomy and sexual organs there's just no focus on it it's like we just get left out of the conversation mm. because we're not invited to the table I, I was thinking about this last night i was having an argument with, with the woman in my dms say, she was saying <laughs> that a love know, a good argument in my dms <laughs> i was getting really really annoyed actually and in the end i just i was like i'm blocking her and i'm not carrying on because it's like talking to a brick wall but we were talking about she was saying that, you know, we shouldn't be talking about genders and, and gender ideology to kids and what, you know, they're too young. And she was saying, one day you'll understand when you're a mum, you'll understand. Anyway, not to make this about her, but I wondered what you think about sex, like how young, like from what age should we be talking to kids about sex? Great question. I think that as long as a child is old enough to ask a question, yeah. you, they are old enough to get an appropriate response and something that isn't like, oh, a stork came mm. or a, yeah. I don't Stalks. know what stupid like stories that are made up it's like a cabbage patch thing or whatever. There's so many like yeah. weird stories going around. Why are we telling them lies? Like, why are we making up stories? If they're questioning things and asking questions, they deserve truthful answers. And, and answers that will ultimately protect them, right? Because if you don't talk about it, they don't know that what somebody might do to them is wrong. So it's such an important topic. It's not just this surface level, oh, 
you know, I'm not talking about sex because they're too young. It's a fucking safeguarding issue. And that's yeah. why I'm so passionate about yeah. it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I get really like, no, right. Yeah. But as well, it's, it's like, <laughs> I realize how confusing it is. But thinking about it in the context of like, when you go out like, to the club or whatever it's so which we don't do anymore famously to the club but it's please don't laugh so hard Sorry. I'm cool I'm down with the kids it's fine um but when thinking cool. about those times I, I'm going to say it again that I would go to the club with the girls <laughs> um it's very confusing to want something and to know that you want something or to know that you need to be wanted like because on the one hand we're sold like you've got to be sexy and like sexuality is a power and like you're wiles you're womanly wiles like you can trap this man and you're going to win this man and you're going to look the prettiest and it's very confusing to have that message on one side so you're like I know I need the man to want me I know I need the man to whatever but then there's this like total block about what happens then and it's a very confusing I suppose like fear that you'll feel because on one side, you're literally taught to prioritize and, and want their attention. But on the other hand, so much of their attention can make us feel so uncomfortable. And I think that's, I I, I, I completely see it from a safeguarding. How do you wrestle with that? Yeah I, I, yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. I think because we've been sort of brought up to feel like our worth is linked to a man, we feel, and, and you know, our sexual power is um often as a kid the only power you do start to develop do you know what I mean it's something very visceral that you you know I learn how old was I I think I was about 12 you know I was in a supermarket with my mom walking around in leggings and then this like seafood crochet thing and this man who was with his wife and children was visibly like open mouthed, like like perving over me, and I was like, oh, like I felt powerful because somebody was like really affected by my appearance, and as a kid, that's that that kind of messaging is so fucked up, but yeah. that's how that is like it's it's powerful to us yeah, and, and it's really stays. hard to dissect that yeah and then yeah. you feel shame about it like yeah. then as later on you start to feel shame about that yeah. but mm. I I you you unpack it and you learn to understand that actually you know there's so much going on there's so many like layers and nuance to this it's not as simple yeah. that's interesting because I kind of had an opposite experience but like I developed early like I always had the biggest boobs I remember everyone was always in primary school was like fascinated because I had boobs and I hated them and I hated the attention I got from boys and then men I despised it and I still I still to this day have a slight hunch because and I ended up getting a breast reduction um because I couldn't bear a man's eyes on me yeah. on my on my chest like yeah. in a sexual way it just I hated it but then at the same time all my peers were so jealous of me yeah. you've got big boobs all the boys love it it's so exciting and I was like I don't it was really confusing yeah, it's it like confusing. I hate it. I don't want anyone to look at me in that way like it just it didn't feel and also right. you feel like a kid yeah like that's the really difficult thing we epitomize youth, you know, we we kind of like, there's this fetishization, I can't say it. We fetishize, yeah. um, like virginity, for example, and like 
you know, the younger looking woman. And that is really a bit weird and odd. And it's like, as you grow older, you then become, in society's eyes, less significant because you're, a, you, you come across, you'll be you're told you're less attractive and you know wrinkles are undesirable and and that's the narrative that I think is really important for us to challenge because that whole fucking virginity concept is a fucking myth anyway Mm. it's a social concept and it's not real like you know if you haven't been penetrated by a penis ever in your whole life does that mean you're a virgin for your whole life hell fucking no there's so much to it. like, And sex is not just a penis in a vagina. Sex encompasses so much. That's I, I wish we talked more about that because, again, when I talk about it on my Instagram, <clears throat> sorry, for sufferers of like think, conditions like vaginismus, which often come from trauma, but often just exist. Like, so a lot of women just can't have comfortable sex. Penetrative sex. Penetrative sex. Uh-huh. And, it, and, and, I, and I talk to some of my friends about this. I talk to some of my followers about it. And they feel so much like shame around this, like, like they're failing, like they can't provide this whatever and it's like and 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 it's like oh we're not having sex or we're not whatever and it's like it's it's coconuts isn't yes. it because what's that saying about lesbians for example like exactly. of course you still have sex so yeah. it's a it's a it's such a i was bullshit but it's all it's all you know the heteronormative virtue of virginity it's all just no offense to the Bible, but it's kind of the Bible's come up what with a lot of no this offense? stuff. Fucking yes, offense to the Bible. Religion okay, is fine. A, honestly, offensive. Okay, religion so has yes. so much to answer for. Okay. It's disgusting how it has in, imposed shame on yeah. us and used as a form of control. It's it's you know something that we have to override and get rid of and unpack every single day. And that's why I, you know, I want to speak about this and and communicate and give a more rounded sex education, you know. Can we talk about your Instagram? Sure. Because you talk about this brilliantly on your Instagram, but we were talking about it in the car on the way here. You have spoken about like masturbation and that, but then you've also had said on the back of that that you've lost followers and, you know, you've had a lot of like, be, like beef from people for for talking so openly about it and I'd like love to talk to you about kind of what it's like to share this stuff but also what that reaction is like when you do and for sharing pictures right where you're yeah. actually covered but it's it, do you call it a nude I don't know what do you it's like semi-nude a semi-nude yeah. yeah but I, I remember you saying like you lost lots of followers off the back of that right and you got lots of comments about it negativity yeah. anytime I show my tits or my ass on on Instagram <laughs> like I lose people but I'm all right with that because yeah. they're not my people yeah. <laughs> and you know I think it I can be confronting I can mm. be challenging I'm like if you are triggered by this, Maybe you should wonder why you're triggered by this. Do you know what I mean? And I know that can come across as quite abrasive, but I don't know how else to say it. I'm not going to pussyfoot around you just because me like showing my tits on Instagram is offending you or makes you think that I'm 
up myself or, you know, because I assume that's what it is. They're like, oh, for fuck's sake, why won't you put it away? And I won't put it away because there's so much shame attached to the female body. Yeah, They're fucking just nipples. They are just like fingers. It's just another part of the body. Why can't we show them? Why can't we, like, talk about them? And, you know, it's like, oh, if you've got, if you've got your cleavage out, it means that you are enticing men and they can't control themselves. No, they can fucking control themselves. It's not my job to control you. It's all I'm doing is having a body. That's yeah, it. Yeah. So yeah. stop now. Yeah. Stop with the policing me. Yeah. Stop. And I, I, I do have to say, like, because initially I did find those oh kind God, of Oh God, you're going to say you're one of them. No, no, no. no <laughs> Who unfollowed no. me? Can you not check? Not. She's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you not done that? You've unfollowed someone really quickly. And then you're like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to fucking see them and they're going to know. No, no, no. But like initially I did, I found your content confronting, but I was aware that it was nothing to do with you. It was my stuff. And it's interesting now I don't find any of that. You don't. Stuff confronting anymore. When I say like I'm yeah, like I'm repressed or like feel shame about sex, it's just like I don't feel comfortable to share stuff in public. Like and, on, and, on and my I, platform. And that's why you got me here, right? Yeah, yeah. You can do it for me. Exactly. And I would never impose that on anyone. I think everyone only does what they're comfortable with. I think it's really great that you are able to say you're not comfortable with it. These are my boundaries. Like people yeah. often don't know what their boundaries are. I'm comfortable with it. And, you yeah. know, that's cool. Yeah. And your content's brilliant, honestly. And it's, and it's been a huge part of opening my eyes. I'm probably making me feel a lot less shame. That's, that's yeah. really important to but me. I, Thank and, you. And I, and I, I want to say that I found it confronting for anyone who's listening who does find it confronting to like, sit with that and like you were saying before yes. lean into that uncomfortable that's a feeling. nice way of saying it I need to say it like that <laughs> <laughs> lean or into that uncomfortability yourself, like is, is this this woman isn't doing anything wrong no. so why do I find it confronting it's got to say something about me and I think that's that yeah that's important um, and and it's and it develops your self-awareness right totally and and that's all I, I I'm trying to do that all the time I'm trying to um I'm trying to grow, I'm trying to change, I'm trying to evolve, I'm trying to open my eyes. And, you know, all of these kind of things that have been attached to me and imposed on me, I'm trying to fucking tell them to fuck off and unpack. And But it's so hard. I'm not saying I've got all the answers. I'm not saying I will always be right. I know for 100%, I mean, if it's an argument, with somebody I am always right but <laughs> in terms of in terms of like what I present I'm not gonna get it right all the time I'm gonna fuck up I'm gonna make mistakes hopefully I'm better at owning my mistakes now yeah I, I, I will you know yeah publicly say if I got something wrong mm. I have I have I get triggered. I have visceral reactions to things. Yeah. Um, we all do because of our past experiences. And sometimes I've done things that have not been the right way to go about it. But then mm. the learning comes in when you acknowledge that and you own it. Um, yeah. That's all we can do. Totally. That's a big part of shame as well. Like yeah. being admitting that you're wrong and growing and and I think as well, particularly with sex, like there's a lot of uh, 
shame attached to like wrong decisions or or past behaviors or like you know so much of the sex that we have as teenagers or young adults is like maybe not sex that we'd want we wanted to be having then but we certainly like are not proud to have had now or, or you know like and, and I think a lot of women carry their shame about like making the perceived wrong decision and then standing up and saying like oh or even ever dealing with the fact that that they were uncomfortable or that it was wrong and I, I find that like a really hard thing because that is a burden that we carry and so many women carry without ever addressing it and it's a burden that men for the most part don't have to um and i and i think that's really hard i don't know how graphic i can be but as graphic as you want (laughs) if you want me to be graphic i'm gonna be graphic right now you wouldn't have read this yet but i talk about one incident in my book where i had been out all night stayed over at someone's house and woken up with a cock in my mouth (gasps) and i I didn't stop Fuck. it. Mm. And I felt a huge amount of shame around like eventually like coming to realizing it wasn't somebody else and 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 then not saying anything because I didn't want to make a fuss. You know, that has that stayed with me. I internalized the shame that somebody did to me and so many of us have had things done to us that mm. we feel ashamed about mm. and that's where it's so fucked up yeah. yeah I think you're talking before about you know like your boobs and stuff like I always had like I always had boobs and I always as a teenager like I, I dressed because I because on the other side of this we have this like crippling insecurity around our bodies and I was always so embarrassed about my figure but I thought well my boobs are good so like I'd always kind of dress mm-hmm. to show that bit off I guess and like and then you do feel like you deserve whatever attention that you get and I had some horrible horrible situations as a teenager and I think back at now and I'm like oh my god and still I'll carry it as a grown-up and I'm like I was asking for it or I was dressed a certain way or I was drunk and whatever. And and I think, and also you get to a point now, you get to a point as a grown up and you went, well, who do I tell? I don't remember who that was. I don't remember exactly, you know, I don't, you know, what's going to change if I talk yeah. about those yeah. things? Because yeah. I don't even know these people. They've gone to me. But, you know, that comes about because of the kind of stories that we see in the media, for example, like victim blaming, mm. you know, or the insinuation, like she was wearing, like, jeans and a top and she was uh white and and she had a good job doesn't fucking matter no. what she was wearing what she looked like she could have been naked running down the street she didn't ask you to rape her yeah there's a basic you know holding up underwear in a court hearing in a rape here like a rape trial it's disgusting, disgusting. that's what somebody wears as underwear means that that has any significance in whether it's right or wrong yeah yeah and it's no wonder then that we do feel uncomfortable sorry Al, but like mm. even with like you know if you had it you, we, when we're sold like being sexy for your partner or, or spicing up your sex life it's all like wear this lingerie wear whatever and oh, it's like there's there's yeah. this like um more than just body insecurity there's a there's like a fear or a discomfort i suppose of sex fear of enjoying sex and I think that's something that I'm so interested 
in the hearing from you about because it, you have been on this journey yourself kind of from this numbness and I don't want to put words in your mouth but there's like <laughs> I don't know if it is a fear but or this this real discomfort and numbness to now like fuck it like you know and you're on Instagram and you're completely like leaning leaning into it um and I wonder like what that journey's been like or Oh, that's such a huge question, but I guess maybe... I mean, I'm still on the journey. Yeah. Like, I'm still on the journey. But I think that's why self-pleasure is a really big thing for me because that has helped me reconnect to my body. It's helped me understand what I like, what I don't like. I feel safe with myself. So I've been able to explore a bit easier than I have been with a partner. Um, so I think, you know, I'm just like pushing the agenda, like just fucking touch yourself, please. <laughs> in, in, in privacy, <laughs> I say to my kids, in privacy, <laughs> <laughs> but as much and, and, and as often as you want to. And if you don't want to, obviously that's okay too, but how are you going to be able to communicate your needs with a partner if you don't know them, if you haven't explored them and kind of masturbation came quite late to me in life but now I mean fuck me I mean there's no going back. <laughs> I'm making up for lost time can I ask how late yeah um I think like in terms of like consciously actively doing it I would say I was definitely in my 30s wow that is quite late I did used to do it like think okay it's really do you know what it's really hard for me to remember it, it was never a thing before but I actively started doing it more in my 30s um because I had had children and I was seeing things now through their eyes and because before I felt so much shame about masturbation I honestly thought if anyone knew what I was doing they wouldn't like me. They would think I was dirty. They would not think I was a good person. And that is shame. That is it. You internalize that feeling of not of not being good enough, of feeling unworthy. It's a it's a internalized shame. So yeah, once I had children, I was just like, hold on. Like everything you're thinking is so fucked up and so like is that you or is that what has been imposed on you? So that's, I'm starting to unpack it and self-pleasure for me is probably the biggest part of it because it it, it led to so much more. It, it gave me confidence, it increased my self-esteem, it in, increased my ability to communicate my needs, not just in the bedroom, it communicate my needs in every single day life, which is why I feel feel like sex education is so important. Because, yeah, it just, it goes into everything. I feel like we are jumping around, sorry, in your, with your timeline a bit. Um, and, and the book. <laughs> I'm okay and with that. I think it would be remiss not to acknowledge what you talk about in your, in the first chapter, which is called trauma. Um, you know, you, you've talked about like what sort of contributed to your, you know, your sexual shame, your, you know, you being British and, but you also suffered a really huge and traumatic incident, which informed your mentality around sex. And I think that's, you know, that's, 
I mean, it's big. Oh, yeah. how do I do this? How do I do this justice? Well, it's really hard. When, well, I'll just say, like, when I read that, I mean, I had no idea. I don't know if you'd spoken about it public, publicly before. I haven't. Um, and I had no idea. And I was, like, floored, like, beyond. It's just, I don't think there's any words to describe, like, how traumatic that is. And if you are able to, just for anyone listening who, well, they won't know because... Okay, so I won't like I won't say what it is, but I will no. kind of hint it towards it. Yeah. Like when I was four years old, basically a really traumatic event happened to me and my mum, you know, the reason why I won't go into it is because it wasn't just my experience. And I have to be very careful that yes, it was in the book and yes, it's gonna be out there. But I all of that I had to get signed off by my mum we had to have therapy over it because this is something that go will be going out okay and that made a massive difference to our relationship because there was a lot of disconnect between us and kind of unspoken stuff had Um, your mum had therapy about it previously she's had therapy we've both had therapy separately but we've never had therapy together okay and this book enabled us to have therapy together and start to talk about something we never spoke about. Um, so if you have a traumatic event, be your kind of introduction, if you will, into sex, that is going to impact you your whole life. Yeah. That is going to be, you know, no wonder I felt ashamed. It was never spoken about again. People, you know, it was just kind of pushed away. We went to the police station and the police were very dismissive. And, you know, it's it's no wonder I've got so much fucking, like, shit to to unpack. And I'm not, you know, I'm not the only one. There's so, like, sexual trauma is so prevalent. Reading what, you know, what you, you said, what happened to you in your book and it you and you were so young but what you said there just about you know this um sex (laughs) sorry i'm trying to get my words out you take a breather it's okay it's It's a big it is huge it's huge and it's the thing that terrifies me is that it it's for a lot of it's, it's unimaginably traumatizing at any time but when it's in these formative years when it's your mm. first look at sex that's like this mm. how how do you and I don't, I'm not putting this question yeah, to you <laughs> yeah, so yeah. how do you <laughs> like, no I just mean societally I don't know how like I don't know how we've got to a point where it's so fucked up. Like it's, it, I mean, it's always been so fucked up. I can't believe that we've got to this, and and everyone's like, oh, we're equal now, and there's like to- everything's fine. It's like it's not fucking fine. There's nothing fine about this. I can't tell you how many of my friends have been through, have, people that I love have been through and continue to. These calls come in all the time. These things are happening all the time, and 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 the thing that is so scary is that it happens to girls so young, who perhaps can't even label what's happening because our the language that we use is so rudimentary and and it's all just ridiculous yeah I think listen I think as well as men's not just men but ultimately a majority of men as well as their inability to know where our clitoris is unprocessed trauma is the biggest blocker 
to pleasure. And so it's really difficult for a lot of people who have had traumatic experiences to to be able to be present during sex and moments of intimacy. It's really difficult. Mm. How how can they experience pleasure if it's linked to something so traumatizing? Yeah. Um, so that has to be processed and that's different for everyone. Depends on what your funds are. It depends on what, mm. you know, how accessible it is to you. But they're, they're you can process it. You know, mm. what, what I have learned along the way and this might not work for everyone, is that not speaking about things doesn't work. Yeah. It only makes you feel shame about it. I'm yeah. gonna, I feel emotional right now, sorry. It is really difficult to start to talk about something so traumatic, but it's really important in order to process it and to overcome, Not you, you will never like overcome yeah. it or forget it. But in order for you to be able to not see sex as just something that is is traumatic, to be able to not just feel numb and disconnected, you have to face it. You have to talk about it with a therapist or talk about it with somebody safe. You have to feel safe. You you know, don't just push it away because you will never get to a place where you experience real pleasure and happiness and and that's what I've learned along the way it's it's you almost feel like it's you're going to open up a pandora's box by by looking at it facing it and talking about it but i promise you if you've been through any sort of trauma like this you've You've survived the worst already. Yeah. Opening up about it, it will be hard. And it will take a long time and go really, really slowly with it. But I promise you, it you will survive this. Yeah. You will get through it. And there is huge amounts of benefits to looking at it and facing it. Yeah, God. <laughs> I'm so sorry for you, Nat, for like what you've Don't, I mean, you know. been through. It's just, yeah, it's horrific. But thank you for sharing it with us. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, of course I am. Are you okay? Yeah, sorry, I'm I just, okay. yeah. It's... You know what? I think it would be weird if I if if we didn't feel emotional about talking about this. It's important that the people listening hear that emotion in our voices because it is fucking painful and traumatic if you spoke about it like you were reading a menu then you weren't connecting to yeah. it you weren't you haven't yeah. processed it i think as well like the thing the really hard thing is like having the conversation as you do society you know about the society in general and and the way that it is i think the the the, the worst thing the worst thing about being a woman in my opinion is knowing that the threat is consistently there so you can do all of this work and it's still yeah. there's still a fear and and that's the thing that 
you know, it's so, I, I'm so excited to see like empowerment and like masturbation and, and like everything big, but female pleasure being prioritized and spoken about. But, you know, the, the terrifying thing on the back of that is the rhetoric that surrounds it societally, you know, because on Instagram, for the most part, like we're kind of thriving in our little bubbles with our great people, you know, mm. but the way that obviously, you know, I, I'm so aware, I said this to you before, like when I do sex toy ads, if I ever put a sex toy near my face or in a suggestive place or whatever, if, if I ever pose with a sex toy, I know that if I'm ever harassed, if I ever open up about anything I've ever been through, if I ever talk about sexual assault, anything, those images will be used as a way of undermining my point and, you know, basically they'll be weaponized against yeah, me. It's absolutely disgusting. And I, it is disgusting, but it's something that I, that it's like, it's such you a- You have to think about. But it's something that we all have to think about because it, although it, although it's, you know, like on a ridiculously weird, um, like kind of place for me and for a lot of us online, it is the, okay, so you want to be sexy, you want to be empowered, you want to go out and you want to like, you know, own your pleasure and be excited and whatever, but you're taking this this new belief that we have as women, you know, as, as, as educated, you know, we've learned this bit and it's really cool, but you take it into an old fashioned world and that's hard. And I wonder how you feel and, with that. And that leaves you open to ridicule and, you know, criticism at, and yeah, just like misogynistic <laughs> views, doesn't yeah. it? And that's hurtful and that's painful. And it's another, it it can be another form of trauma. You know, you are opening yourself up for that. So you have to really be very firm and centered in your abilities and your capabilities in being able to do that and be, you know, wise to the fact that people will say things and do things and it's almost like you have to put on this like protection bubble around you and just be like I'm talking about obviously social media I'm talking about our world but I'm aware that just being you know sexually empowered in life generally does open you up and it is unsafe it doesn't doesn't feel safe but if no one does it nothing's gonna change so we have to balance that up constantly and you're right it's unfair it, it's it is fucking unfair, unfair. yeah it's, I, but there's something really fucking freeing in just saying that like we don't have to sit here and yes. try and work out an answer as a yeah, group we can just no. like, it, is unfair. <laughs> it sucks like it it's unfair. so annoying can i just say something i just i'm very aware that we're talking about really sensitive mm. triggering topics right now and I just I just want you know people to be aware that like they can stop this at any time mm. they can yeah. like they don't have to listen to the whole thing right now if if, it, if this is bringing up memories for you like stop it and 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 come yeah. back to it when you feel able to if you want to at all um talk about it talk about it with people close to you yeah. so important it's a really good point, and we'll put a trigger warning in there. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's just like, it's so oh, fun. Don't. Oh, oh, God, everything has gone. It's just so, the unfair thing is just so true, oh. and it's just so infuriating. Yeah. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> We're all off. <laughs> it is unfair, like, isn't it? I just, I don't know. But I, I feel like that on the back of it, because... 
I I actually think although your story is so sad and 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 horrible and unfair and unjust the the ha- there is it does really feel looking at you like there is a happy ending i promise you <laughs> there is a happy ending i promise you the book is not all no, tears and no. trauma but you're, but you're not tear and trauma that's what i'm saying. like following yeah, you is so fucking, fucking fantastic i know and mm. i was actually i didn't think this episode would make us cry because i thought we'd just make alex squirm instead <laughs> and but I, you like, know. we've still got some time left for that but yeah, yeah. But you know that's the that's that's life that's the beauty yeah. of life isn't it it's like tears and happiness and laughter and all of that can happen, can coexist at the same time. Yeah. And that's what's beautiful. Yeah. You can, you know, you can have a joke and, you know, still laugh while still being traumatized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's important to just communicate. Don't worry that you know, it might feel too heavy that you can't laugh. We can absolutely laugh and be happy and make yeah and say yes it is fucking unfair and be angry about it as well yeah. it's, it's really healthy to be angry isn't yeah it? and it, it, what you're saying is so true like the the bad has to exist with the good yeah. it does but it doesn't have to but it does that's it's the reality binary, that it? we're in it's no. not and yeah we we have to get comfortable with both yeah, yeah. exactly and but yeah moving on your book is I just I want I want it now. I want oh. it now. And actually, it's out the same day as mine, which is <laughs> oh, chart battle. Oh, no, no. Who will this podcast advocate for? I am undecided. <laughs> Do you I know what? Everyone I'm needs really, them both. I, yeah, I'm like yeah. There's room for everyone, man. There yeah. is room for everyone. Yeah, and oh, I yeah. can't wait to read your book because I know whatever <laughs> you put out into the world is so thoughtful, and you've really you really take care. I know you get a lot of shit. You get a lot of shit. We all get it. We all yeah. get it, right? But we we try and do it in the right way with what we've got, don't we? We 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 think about it hard. Yeah. It's not just like we don't just put out any old shit. There's <laughs> stuff that's gone into it. And like you were saying, like all three of us, like we all make mistakes and we all make mistakes yes. publicly, but, but what, at least we're tackling the subjects exactly. that need tackling, hard to do. you know? Yeah, that they are hard and we will make mistakes. And, and but I think- what, what my point was, which I didn't actually get to because my head just goes really <laughs> all around the houses, um, is that I'm really excited to read your book because I know it's going to be good because I know what you produce already is good. And um, yeah, like that they're, they're they're both good. Buy both of them for fuck's sake. Daisy, do you mind just like clipping that little bit and sending? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel I feel it's really important not to. I don't get that kind of competition thing. I don't understand yeah. it. No, like I don't. I don't get why people don't promote other people and like like we're in this together. Yeah. This is this is not an easy space for us to be in. So why aren't yeah. we coming together? And if we like something that someone else is producing, you 
give a shout out to them. You like absolutely yeah. but in life I love that you see someone's outfit on the bus that you love it's like yeah. tell them that you love their fucking yeah. outfit yeah I think as well like the sex stuff is linked to it I suppose to an extent because we've been taught we've been women have been conditioned to believe we are in competition for the male exactly. attention so we can't be friends like this is you know yeah. but it, I, I that's what I, I really take from your page as well it's like so much female empowerment yeah, yeah. Um, before we run out of time I yeah. need to ask you about like enjoying sex because I feel like so much of what you talk about Hell online is that, that you enjoy you know that you you've got you're feeling yourself now right you're feel, 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 feeling myself, feeling myself. um <laughs> and I, I always want to sing it and i'm like no it's really sad don't do go it go on em. give us a verse go on, go on. Uh, can you sing can you sing <laughs> not, not for shit no <laughs> um but guys alex can sing and she wants everyone can you everyone no. to know oh you're joking absolutely, you absolutely any not. chance go on sing it oh, look at her. Yeah, oh please not. i'm shy <laughs> Um, but yeah I, I just think it's it's good for us to have a, a like a bit of lighthearted in this because you have got now kind of like a There's very loads of lighthearted there is yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I just I got distracted I got, I no. got sad but I, 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 but I want to talk to you now about like your your sex life now basically Ooh. because you enjoy sex now right I do thank you very much good yes. <laughs> that's, 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 actually that's all I need you to say it's just it's so good to I hear really that do. you know all the, all the time, or is it sometimes when you're not enjoying it? No, sometimes, like, okay, so, you know, one of the reasons that there, there isn't a pill like Viagra for, me, for, for women mm. that actually fucking works is because most of our pleasure is in our head. Mm. So there are times through no fault, fault of the other person that I don't, necessarily enjoy it because my brain is not allowing me to be present in the yeah. moment mm. that's the only time I don't enjoy it now yeah. um not be yeah like it's not their their performance is very good um but I will say that you know at the moment I'm not having a lot of sex with a partner I'm having a lot of sex on my own which is also really good and I have had Probably have I wait a minute. I'm just see sorry, because I'm like my brain is going blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Have I had the best sex on my own or with a partner? Good That's question. what I'm racking like racking my brain to kind of Ooh. untangle. And I honestly don't think I can answer that because I need to give it some real good thought. But yeah, I like sex on my own, I like sex with men and I like sex with women, and I enjoy it a hell of a lot more now than I have ever done in my whole life. If you think that sex doesn't get more enjoyable with age, then you need to reevaluate that thought because there's so much freedom and wonderful things that come with getting older. And one of those is confidence is the ability to know yourself more there's so much there's so many benefits to getting older that you know I think we need to stop fucking epitomizing youth and start to think that actually I do want to be older I really do because um you're gonna probably for my from my experience enjoy sex a lot more than you ever have done when you were young the sex i was having when i was young was so fucking shit it was unbelievable now i know 
where my clitoris is. I can communicate that to my partner. I can do it on my own. I have the ability and the confidence to try different things. And if I don't like it, I can say no. So that increases my pleasure tenfold. So yes, I do. Thank you. Good. <laughs> Love it. What a way to finish. <laughs> Oh my God, thank you so much, Nat. My pleasure. This that is... was amazing. That was amazing. You, guys. you are amazing. That like, was like I one of the best interviews I've ever had. Oh, well I think done. that's oh, one, of the, like, one of the best interviews we've ever I'm done. Well done. Yeah, I feel a lot. That, yeah. was, that was beautiful. Thank, thank you so much thank for coming you. and for sharing your story. And everyone has to go and pre-order <laughs> Nat's book. Link thank is in you. the show notes. And pre-orders make a massive difference they really to do. the like, success of the book. So... It would be wonderful if you did do pre-order. it. Do it. <laughs> Thank you. you. Have to do it. Hello, we're back. Um, I am going to kick off with an embarrassing story. This is something that, if I think about too much, it can keep me up at night. The thought that at some point in my life I might do something similar to this—it literally keeps me up at night, makes my face go bright red, and makes my organs all sort of clench. I was at the evening reception of my boyfriend's friend's wedding, where I was meeting all of his friends for the first time. A few minutes after I arrived, the bride and groom were cutting the cake. I was stood watching with my boyfriend and a few of his close friends and their partners. One of his friends quietly said, God, that cake is terrible. To which I replied, it really is. It looks like a child has made it. Because, she says, it really was awful. And she puts in brackets, sorry, I know that's really mean to say. Carry on with the story. At which point, the friend said, I was joking, Sophie made that and gestured, gestured to his wife standing next to him. I could have spontaneously combusted there and then. In my shock, I couldn't even come up with anything to style it out, so I just went quiet and joined another group of people. Right, sorry, right. Unless that cake looked like the Sistine Chapel of wedding cakes, he should not have said that because he is opening up the door for facts. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know when we're looking at a good cake and when we're looking at a shit cake. And if you're looking at a fabulous cake, you can obviously say, what's a shit cake? But if you're looking at a shit cake and you say it's a shit cake, what comes next is, I mean, I'm loath to say you're asking for it, but at the same time... (laughs) He did set himself up oh, for that. Uh, How bad is that, though? Oh, poor Sophie. Poor Sophie. I know. And she was right there. So he was obviously saying it to her, like, ha-ha, shit cake. So not only is she made a shit cake, but everybody <laughs> can see it. And it's the first time first time she met his, his friends, you know? It's just... Yeah, you fucked that. Yeah, you're the bitch that yeah. was worried about the cake that Sophie made. You can't really... Oh, no, babe, I'm You just so can't really sorry. get away from that. I don't think you can really live that down. No, I didn't think it was your fault. I think I think it was Sophie's boyfriend's fault. He shouldn't have... If we're going to be Set thrown. it up. He shouldn't have set it up. He, to be to be fair, he was probably saying it to his wife, being like, ha-ha, shit, shit cake, babe. <laughs> ah! Oh, my God, so <laughs> uncomfortable. I'm so sorry. <sighs> okay. I have an awkward story, which well, an embarrassing story, which well, it's 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 all round uncomfortable to be honest. But I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna read the room, and I wanna, I, I basically, I need to know how involved Betty is in your sex life. I'm just giving you a pre warning because that's where this is going. Okay, hi Alex and Em. 
So I have a funny story that I wanted to share with you, uh, which I was reminded of when listening to you guys talk about inappropriate things that dogs have eaten. Now, actually, I've decided I'm not going to read this out because she hasn't started the email telling us that she left. <laughs> Dismiss. Never mind. She, sa- she says it at the end. She says it, she says oh, it at the okay. end, don't worry. It's not ideal, but we'll make it work. <laughs> there is a very clear <laughs> template, guys. When you're emailing in, you say hi, you say I love the podcast, and then you say what you have to say. We are so needy. Um, okay, as every funny story starts, I was seeing this guy from Tinder about this time last year. It was very much a casual relationship as he'd broken up with his girlfriend of five years the previous summer. However, he still co-parented his little Westie with her. That's a little West Highland Terrier for anyone who's not a fae with every single breed of dog ever. Weirdos. She liked to sleep in the bed, which was cute at first, but got very awkward and we wanted to have sex, especially as this dog most probably had watched him and his previous partner having sex. This dog has seen too much. So one day he was getting down to business and in the moment I thought he was licking my leg. However, when I looked down to my horror, I realised it was actually the dog licking me, not what I imagined my first threesome to look like. (laughs) Fast forward till after we had finished and suddenly we heard this chewing noise, only to look down and see that the dog was trying to chew and rip apart the used condom on the floor. I was mortified, but please tell me that I am not the only one that's had something like this happen to me. Also, love you guys. Your conversations and advice have really helped me to manage living with a housemate and some quite sexist and archaic views. Thank you. Too little, too late, but thank you. Wait, the dog ate the condom. Oh my God. I mean, where where does Betty go when you have your fun in your life? It's It's an issue. Yeah, it's an issue because she doesn't like it. I think she thinks there's an attack happening. <laughs> and so she howls. Oh my god, that's a soundtrack like that's the worst like Karma Sutra soundtrack. It's not, ever. It's, not it's not good. <laughs> it's the beagle it's howl. Literally the beagle oh, howl. No. It's 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 not good, oh, yeah. No. I, I don't have a solution as yet. What about Boa? Yeah, Boa just looks really pissed off. She just looks pissed. I, you and I have actually randomly spoken about this before. Boa just looks really shirty. She just looks like like, oh, fuck off. Yeah, I, 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 that's definitely not you. It's a thing. It's a real thing. And if anyone has any advice, please let me know. Okay, anything else for me? So, I have... Uh, and is it just me? Morning, ladies. Hope you're both thriving and I'm loving the podcast. See? This girl knows that we are fragile and needy. Is it just me that can't seem to distinguish between ditching diet culture and participating in PT sessions or fitness classes? In my past, going to the gym has always been to beast my body and to hope to shed weight. I find it really difficult to differentiate between them now. When will I feel like going to the gym and fitness classes is for fun and health rather than weight loss? And I actually think you're well placed to answer this because I I feel like you're actually one of the people who genuinely has that relationship with exercise where you do it for you rather than for weight loss. I I actually have a lot of thoughts on this because you said in that message there that you like when will you when will you find gym classes fun and that implies to me that you're not finding them that fun um and and if that's the case then I don't think they will magically become fun I think like the first thing to recognize is that like it's horses for courses isn't it like not everybody's going to enjoy the same shit you know like I fucking love running and so many people just think it's the absolute pit and you know like I can till the cows come in like lads I love running come run with me running's the best and if you just hate running you just hate running like if you hate the gym you hate the gym like 
I like a very specific kind of gym class. I like spinning, but then there's some stuff that I absolutely hate. I, I, I'm going to just put this out there. I can't see the fucking point in yoga. I, like, I just can't. It's just not for me. And I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. I'm like, when am I going to get this? When am I going to get this? And then I just have to accept I'm probably not going to get it. So realistically, it has to be fun. But for me, like a really big part of... Like, I mean, my whole life was particularly like in my early 20s when I when I did start exercising for the first time. It was totally about losing weight, like literally like I was just doing sit ups because I wanted to have abs. And I was cutting out the stupid articles in magazines and whatever, like the best exercises to burn this and blah, blah, blah. And I did all of that. And and like to an extent it worked but I mean I was fucking hungry and the hate of the gym and whatever but I then in 2019 I get to mention it again what a fucking treat in 2019 I ran my first marathon (laughs) but it was in training for that that changed everything because it stopped being about what my body looked like and became about what my body could do and not just from like a oh like how cool like I can pick up 20 kilos it's like what I need my body to be able to do like if you set off on a run you need to be able to get home again, theoretically. I mean, you know, you can get a cab or someone to pick you up or you can walk. But, you know, when you're doing the training, it's like, I need to do this. Like, I need to get my body to a point where I can do this. And you just then don't have the time to start berating it for like, or not even the time, but the inclination. Like when you start pushing and doing things that you never thought you could do, the last thing I wanted to do was like come back and look at myself and be like, you fucking useless piece of shit, which is how I'd always spoken about my body before. Cause I was like, you're not you, that was epic. Like that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I always had like the biggest disassociate disassociation and like, I really struggled to get my mind and my body to catch up with each other when I was when I was training. And I really noticed this process because about halfway through the training for my first marathon, I they always say like 16 miles is like the the distance. Like that's like the and it certainly was for me, it was one that absolutely broke me. And like that's the hardest thing. And when you're doing that, I mean like that's super far, you know, it's crazy. Anyway, when after I did that, I got back and I remember and it was so so much further than I ever could have imagined running. And it was a physical, it, it fucking destroyed me. Like it was the hardest thing. And I remember really getting upset to Alex and my mum being like, I'm not ready. I'm, I can't do this. I can't run a marathon. I can't, I can't, I can't. And it occurred to me that the reason I was thinking this wasn't because I physically couldn't do it. Because I think if you can do 16 miles, you can do 26 miles. Don't know why, that's just my logic. But it... It wasn't that I couldn't do it because I had just proved to myself that I could. I didn't think I could do it because I didn't think I looked like what a marathon runner should look like. And what I mean by that is I still had fat rolls. And I think I thought when I get to a certain point of this training, I'll like bing and I'll look like whatever. And then I finished the marathon and I still was exactly the same. If anything, I gained weight. And then same again with, I actually lost weight between it and then gained it again when I was doing the marathon because you just have to eat a fuckload. You know what I mean? Like you just, you've got to fuel your body. And it just completely shifted. I literally looked at myself and I was like, this, uh, this is for the first time, completely irrelevant. And it had never been irrelevant. I'd never let it be irrelevant because it was always in my mind in the gym because it was always the agenda. But it was like realising that I had to take and strip back everything because it was it couldn't be about how I look like because it had to be about what I could do. And I'm not saying that the answer to this question is to run a marathon. I don't think you can love something that you do because you hate yourself, personally. So if you only exercise because you hate this and you hate that and, and you want everything to be different 
then I don't think you're going to find enjoyment. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You know, it might still be good for you, and you know, in your head and whatever. But it, but I I don't think you're going to find enjoyment. So the first thing is to find something that you can do with kindness. You know, if the gym for you is just about fucking beating yourself and beasting yourself and whatever, then it's probably not good for your body or good for your brain because it's it's just too much. But the second thing is. And this is like the most important thing. It, it really has to be, and I'm, I'm not saying that everybody has to run a marathon, but the reason that I was able to create a good relationship with it is because I was doing something that genuinely made me feel really good. And that has to be your priority. If you're just going to the same gym that you've always gone to and doing the same workouts that you've always done, it, it's it's natural that you're going to keep focusing on your body because that was you know why yeah. you started and what you focused on maybe doing something new will be good for you and finding something that you actually genuinely enjoy that isn't about the calories. You know, for me, cycling was always amazing because I was out with my friends. I went spinning with my, you know, I booked to go to spin class with my friends or go to different boxing classes well away from my house. And then it stopped being about going down the road to the same gym to do the same shit with the same results. And it became about new experiences, new friends, new fun, endorphins. And that for me was a massive part of getting rid of diet culture. And now I just realise how happy I am when I'm unlocking endorphins. And don't get me wrong, I love having muscly shoulders. I'm currently missing my ass, like genuinely missing an action. No one's seen that since the end of 2020. But that, and that does get me down a bit. I'm just a bit like, like it's not the body that I love and it's not the body that I love not because of how it looks but because I know that it's not as strong as it once was and that makes me upset but not yeah. in the same way so to be honest that I could have said that in about three sentences rather than about three minutes but the crux of it is it doesn't sound like you're enjoying it that much so you need to go and find something that you enjoy and the sacrifice might be a six pack but what you'll gain is confidence, happiness, excitement, joy, and the ability to be kind to yourself. So if this mic was portable, I would drop it. Thanks. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> totally. What she said. And I think it's exciting. I, I'd say that it's exciting that you're curious about it because that means that you're going to get there, you know? And, and I do think that that's something that's kind of left out of social media a lot. It's like, uh, exercise is not about body, but it's like, well, how do we actually get there? And, and you know, and, and often it's like a before and after, like I used to exercise for my weight loss and now I exercise for me. And it's like, well, actually there's a lot of in between in that. And it's not just like A to B and it's a, it's a journey and you've got to explore it. And I think it's cool that you're curious about it, which means that you're going to explore it and it means you're going to get there eventually, but like, take it easy, you know? I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to like, am I doing it because I want to conform to a certain standard or look a certain way? Or am I doing it because I genuinely want it? And I, I just think... I want to conform to a different standard. That's why I want the big arms. I want to... I want people to look at me. <laughs> it's my mission at one point in my life, and I'm quite far away from it now, and I'll definitely be far away from it for a minute because I've, you know, I've got to get like married and just like life or whatever. But at one point, I want to have such suspiciously big arms that people are like, the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, love that. Yeah, I just want people to do like a double take, be like, shit, she was ripped. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's my dream. Yeah. Just because I think it's, you know, they always say, like, oh, boys yeah. don't like muscly girls. I'm like, hee hee. Like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> okay, I have another embarrassing story. So, um, I just love that this starts with this story feels very M. Oh, no. 
um, when I worked for the NHS, I was being interviewed by someone from the inspecting body during an annual ex- inspection, in brackets, serious stuff. During mm. the meeting, I laughed at something fairly unfunny they said, because I was trying to kiss ass. And my chewing gum flew out of my mouth and onto the table between us. We both just stared at it for a few seconds in horror. I then picked it up and put it in the coffee cup in front of me. Two minutes later, having completely forgot, I took a sip from the coffee cup and then quickly spat out the chewing gum again. I still think about this weekly and it was about five years ago. That That is horrific. That's so good. I love you. Rest in peace. And... (laughs) Oh my God, we've talked about this before. Why is chewing gum falling out your mouth? So embarrassing. Anything falling out your mouth. You know, since my surgery, I dribble all the time like and I notice it and like, and I'll just be sitting there and if I don't pay attention because all the nerves in my mouth is still asleep if I don't pay attention dribble will just fall and luckily <laughs> the only time that I seem to be like that relaxed is when I'm alone but you know what it's like on the beach you're tired I drink wine at lunchtime I'm reading my book and the amount of times I feel it it's going it's going it's going and I'm like <laughs> And I have to like suck it back up again. And that's not even chewing gum. That's just a bit of dribble, which is innocuous. You can get away with that, particularly you just rub it in. But it's so embarrassing and it's so inexplicably embarrassing. I don't know why things falling out your mouth. It's just, it's, we've talked about this before. It's when you spit on someone. It's just, uh, so rest in peace. I'm so sorry. But also the yeah. coffee, like so gross. The coffee. You want to know the something coffee. really bad? When I was a kid, my, um, I remember going to, I learned such a lesson, such a painful lesson at such a vulnerable age. Um, but I went to my granny's house in um, in the Isle of Man where, where she lived and um, like we were upstairs and I distinctly remember it. Like, I must have been very young because she died when I was like six but there was a Coke can on the radiator and I was like, ooh, Coke. And I was, oh, so bad. I was trying to be all like sneaky. So I like went behind my mum's back. Like how gross. Like I'm like, I'm like fucking elf on the subway. Anyway, and I just, I took the Coke can and I took a sip and it was full of cigarette butts yeah. and I, oh. I, so I tried to take like a little sip like why am I so greedy and sneaky like my mum's right there and I just went <laughs> just like ash went everywhere my mum's like what were you doing oh, that's I, so cute. I never ever drank honestly I have to open the can and then I have to hold on to the fucking can until the drink is done Sober. That's so cute that you just want a little sip. (laughs) So like again, so embarrassing. Like oh, I hate. Why am I so awkward? It's it's like the wanting something. Like it's so embarrassing to be caught like being so you know like real like hands in the cookie jar shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's almost like a prop. Like my mum could have put it there as a prop to never have me drink coke. She hates coke. You know she's like. (laughs) It's so bad for you, it's just going to rot your teeth. She probably did it on purpose, smoked a whole packet and then just like stuffed it in. She's like, I know one of my greedy little offspring will go for this. That'll show them. <laughs> but the can, the can must have felt weird because it's obviously not full of liquid. It's but I was in such but... a rush. Like, I, I remember my mum, we were on the landing and it was a, it was a really, really small you know, like it was, she, she lived by the seaside, so it was a really small little cottage. And, it, and and the stair, the stairwell bit was, you know, really small. And I really remember being like, just squished behind my mum. So like, I didn't have much time to play with. I didn't have much time, space to play with. So it was literally like a now or never. Like I was probably only arse high to my mum. So I just stuck my little arm out, grabbed it when no one, when I thought no one was looking. I didn't have time to like weigh it up, be like, hmm, suspicious. I just, you know, like up in. <laughs> 
absolute chaos i know so grim oh god can i just embarrass my mum quickly before we go um go on. she once got out the tube station in in the 80s sometime and i don't know just just giving the date for reference because she was commuting and she got up she, she walked up the tube stairs and she said she was half asleep and she had a fringe and she sort of saw a man in front of her holding a coffee cu- coffee cup assumed he was homeless got into her hand pulled out a wad of change and just dropped it into his coffee cup and she said she only realised after about five seconds when she heard the splash that he wasn't homeless. He was just a man drinking his cup of coffee on the way to work. Did he say anything? She she always said she just scuttled off. Oh, I love cops. I know. Yeah, so don't drink anything out of a cup that uh, you don't know about and don't put anything into a cup that you haven't been asked to. Life lessons with Em and Alex. Yeah, there you go. You're you're all welcome, so welcome. Well, we've overrun. Daisy hasn't been here to stop us. Quite massively. But there we are. We always do. Oh, well. Yeah, you are really late. Um, Okay, so... uh, awkward rounding off time we will see you guys next week if you have an embarrassing story or an is it just me that is a bit of a tongue twister uh please do either send us a message on the instagram should i delete that or send us an email at should i delete that pod at gmail.com we love to hear them love to read them out and please remember to stick strictly to the template that has been outlined in this episode And we love you very much. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next Monday. See you next Monday. Bye. Bye.